Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self Made as a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we are talking with successful business owners to hear the journey of them building their business. And because we know that achieving success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we are taking time to recognize the folks that helped us to excel. Today, I'm excited to have a well, actually, he's beyond a business owner. We'll learn more about that uh, in our interview today. Uh, someone from Indiana who is uh, our guest. He has been involved with the Boys and Girls Club for over 20 years and has helped them to raise over $10 million for clubs in Elkhart County. In his downtime, he enjoys spending time with his wife and his four kids. And he is most proud of the opportunity that he's been given and entrusted to spread the message of how business can be a force for good. I can't wait to hear more about that today. It's my pleasure to welcome Jason to the show. Hello, Jason. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. Excited Absolutely. to be here. Well, hey, I, I'm excited to have you as well. I know there's lots that we're going to dig into, but let's start with having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born and lived and your family and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I um, I grew up in a small town in central Michigan, Elma, Michigan. Um, went to a public high school there. I had a good uh, good upbringing. My grandparents all lived in town, just you know, down the down the street, both of them. So um, had a lot of family, um, swam, played golf growing up, played with my brothers a lot. Um, went to, went to school at Miami of Ohio, um, tried out for the swim team for a year and then got doing other things and had a really good college experience. Miami was a great place. Um, met a lot of great people. And then, uh, then just started my work career right after I graduated from Miami in 94. Fantastic. And tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, so I uh, I got married um, almost 20 years ago. I have a I have a 19 year old. I have a 15 year old boy. I have two 11 year old boys. Um, they're all really busy, uh, as you can, as most families with with uh, four kids are. So I've got <laughs> great kids. I'm blessed. They're healthy. Uh, you know, they're. Uh, they're fun to be around. We, we, I, thankfully for, for me, I, I don't have to travel a ton. Uh, I traveled a lot in my younger days and travel a little bit now, but I'm home enough to be able to spend time with my kids, watch them grow up, be part of all their activities and sports. And they keep me, they keep me a little bit younger too. So <laughs> wonderful. Well, Hey, Jason, is there a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? Oh man, I get there's a there's probably a lot. My uh, I'm probably the class clown in my family. They make make fun of me the most. But uh, <laughs> you know, I um, uh, I, I welded a bunch, and I, when I got out of when I got out of college, they you know they thought I'd go start doing something else. But I jumped in the factories, and you know I was a you know welding shop. You can get really dirty. So I mean, I went from the college cl classroom to you know, um, putting wet cloths over my eyes every night because, you know, I weld flash and just the environment and all that, all that good stuff. So they, they poke fun at me for that every once in a while, but, um, I could think of a whole host of other things if you give me enough time. <laughs> Tell us how the business came about and at what point in time did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? 
Um, you know, my grandpa started the business in 56. He, he, you know, didn't come from much, um, you know, was working on a roofing line after the war, uh, came back from World War II, worked on the roofing line at Redmond Homes. And, you know, he got this idea in his head, he could start building roofs that a, a metal roof wasn't that hard to make. He learned how to make it, made it, um, uh, visited the factories, found some money to start up a little roofing business. And that's how he got started in business and then eventually tried a lot of other things uh, down the road. Uh, he wasn't, uh, didn't go to college. He just kind of tried to figure it out on his own, but he's, you know, he's from that greatest generation where they just, uh, make it, make it through life with, in, in success with sheer willpower and, um, built up a little bit of a business. And my dad took it over in 79 and, um, my dad really put the business on solid footing and, um, kind of pared it down from what it what it was. My grandpa had bought a bunch of different businesses and pared it down just kind of like a metal fabrication business where we were back to roofs and building metal parts for uh, manufactured housing chassis. And I came to the business in 94. Like I said, I, I worked on the ground floor for a couple of years and welded and got to understand kind of how, how manufacturing business looks on the front lines of the business. Um, you know, got a opportunity to, to run a facility out in Pennsylvania where I stumbled onto, you know, into RVs. Um, we were building manufactured housing product out there, but there were some customers out, potential customers out there that were building RVs and uh, just popped in their door one day and asked them if we could start building some products for them. And they they were gracious enough to to let us do that. And, and before I knew it, I was transferred back to Indiana to run another manufactured housing plan. And when I got transferred back here, I uh, found out this was like the RV capital of the world. So um, <laughs> it was an easy transition to really build up the business um, because, you know, our, our backyard was where, you know, all the RV builders are, you know, 80, 85% of the RV builders in the country are right here. So long and short, just, you know, we were acquired uh, by a public business. My dad sold the company in 97. Uh, we were acquired by a public company. So we became public after that. Um, the board and the, the leadership team at the public company was nice enough to, you know, give me a shot at a pretty young age to, to run our business after my dad retired in 2003. And, you know, we've been buying companies and growing organically and uh, diversifying into different markets and doing a lot of cool stuff uh, over the last 20 years. So wonderful. Jason, tell us a little bit more about the business. Um, what's the name? What do you guys do? How do you help people? Yeah, so we're our, our business is LCI Industries. We're LCII in the New York Stock Exchange. We're about $5 billion, about 15,000 people, $5 billion in revenues, 15,000 people. We've got, you know, about 140 locations worldwide. Um, most of our businesses are in North America and a good chunk of them are uh, in Northern Indiana. 50% um, of our business is RV and the rest is, you know, split up between Marine. Uh, we've got some businesses in Europe. We do some business for uh, buses and uh, on and off highway vehicles. Uh, we do the manufactured housing business is still a little bit of a, a business for us um, and uh, anything marine. So those are kind of our, our market segments. Um, you know, it's uh, um, I, I tell people all the time, it's, you know, anything that goes down the road that's not a car, we we generally, you know, are, are building parts for, or, or maybe looking at building parts for. So. Wonderful. Now in the, uh, the introduction, I had 
mentioned the fact that uh, one of the things you're proud of is being able to spread the the message about how businesses can be a force for good. So tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, you know, I, when I got into business, it was all about just, you know, coming to work every day, trying to grow and gain market share and win at all costs and, um, you know, grow our business that way. We got a lot of accolades for that. Our, our revenues grew significantly, our stock price grew significantly, our profits grew significantly, uh, the overall size of our company grew significantly, but it wasn't until, you know, 2011 or 2012 um, kind of figured out that uh, there was, you know, different way to win in business. And that was through, you know, a, a, an intense focus and intentional focus on, on culture, uh, leader development. And then ultimately for us, it was, you know, how do you incorporate philanthropy and community service? Um uh, as, as part of what you do as a business. Um, so really the message to other businesses, you know, inside and outside our community has just been to, you know, be a, you know, lead by example and show people, show other businesses that, you know, uh, business can look different than um, just winning at all costs and winning top line and winning the bottom line. Um, it's how you do it. It's how you get there. Um, and showing other businesses that how we treat people and how we take care of other people and how you really live an intentional culture um, where team members will tell people around the business or around the community that, hey, this this company really lives out their core values. They do what they say they're going to do. Um, they take care of the community um, and they care about their people. Um, that's what the I think the the business community needs more than anything is to figure out how to care about people because if we care about people, we send them home in a a pretty good orientation for their family. And if we if we don't care about people at work, that's a long time for somebody to be, you know, upset or down or miserable or anxious or stressed out because the business is treating them poorly. And that just plays out horribly, you know, once they leave work and, and go home. Um, so, you know, we're just trying to send that message that business can be a force for good by the, by just having great business culture and living out our values, not just putting them up on the wall, but you know, intentionally living on our values and being consistent to that, um, figuring out how to do community impact events and serving inside the organization, um, just showing businesses that that's possible. So it, it sounds pretty, you know, obvious when you say it out loud, but it's not, it is kind of counter, counter how a lot of businesses think, especially you know, public owned companies who are, you know, have to answer the shareholders. So what was right. the impetus? What, what caused you to have this, you know, this thinking and, and to implement this way of thinking and, and now be able to share it with other businesses? Yeah. It, I mean, it was my faith in Jesus Christ. And, and then ultimately a lot of prayer um, after doing business the way I was for 15 or so years, I, I started to kind of ask God what my, you know, what my purpose was because just getting more revenues and, you know, higher stock price and, you know, growing a business was while, while it was somewhat fulfilling, it didn't feel like purpose. Um, so, you know, the answer came through an ultimate meeting I had, you know, after a lot of prayer with, um, with Bob Chapman and Bob, you know, told me his story, which was very similar. He had a very similar experience and how we, you know, the light bulb clicked on. Um, and then he just said, he figured out that, Hey, look, if we, you know, if we care about our team members, um, in, a, in really extraordinary ways, and we live out our, our, our core values that we say matter, 
but how do you live that out day in and day out so that team members will look back and say, no, I've worked at a lot of places and they've had core values on the walls, but nobody's ever lived, you know, up to their core values and held people accountable around the organization like this company does. Um, so, you know, so, you know, and if you listen to Bob or watch Bob's Truly Human Leadership TED Talk, it's a 20 minute TED Talk that really, you know, encapsulates, you know, that everybody matters culture that he writes about in his book. Um, you know, those are, those are the things that really kind of flip the switch for me is, you know, seeing another manufacturing business that was, you know, at the time they were 2 billion, 11,000 people. And that was about the same size we were. So I was like, if these guys can actually do it and he gets the results, he says he gets, and, um, you know, I, we can do the same. And really what the business part that clicked for me was we were struggling with turnover at the time. And, um, you know, what he explained to me really simply is like, Hey, dummy, if you, if you really, really care for your people and, and live out your core values, people will stay because that's uncommon. They, you know, people leave because companies talk about core values and don't do it. So they're like, I'm, I'm not going to stay with somebody who, who does the opposite of what they say they're going to do. I mean, that's the, you know, you drive out a lot of good people in the organization that way. So what we found out is our, you know, after we started doing that, our, our, our turnover reduced from 125% down to 30%. Wow. Um, and it keeps getting a little bit better every year. Um, and when you have that kind of momentum with retention, you know, just the business gets this, you know, really great momentum and quality and safety and efficiency and innovation. They all, you know, get a lot better in the business when people tend to stick around. So, uh, but too many business leaders, and I was one of them, you know, you're always trying to sit at the end of the cycle to figure out how to tweak dials and, oh, we got to do this and change this. And, you know, and when, when all along, it's just like, hey, just make sure you've got the right people in the right spots and you're, you're living out your core values and you've got a, a culture that, you know, people would look to you and say, yeah, you guys do what you say you're going to do. Uh, you write these values on the wall. Yeah, I see that lived out, you know, pretty consistently throughout the organization. Or you talk about your mission and man, we, we talk about that on a regular basis, or this is what you say you want out of your leaders. And we see those qualities in leaders all day long. Um, so I love it. The, I mean, a, a lot of good things that you just described, but one of the things that kind of jumped out at me that is, I think also little countercultural is you are able to talk about your faith in Jesus and you're a public owned company. And wow, that's pretty incredible that you've got the support of the board to be able to do that. Tell, share a little bit more about that. that. It's just awesome. Yeah. Well, I think today, I mean, with the inclusive environment that we live in, there's probably, you know, not, not ever been a better time for, you know, company leaders or, or people, uh, that that have faith to to be able to express how they feel. So um, it doesn't mean that we do one thing or the other in our business, or we say, hey, you can't do this or you can do this. We have special groups in our our business for a lot of different things. But um, yeah, I mean, the board's been supportive of our culture, you know, since we launched it. Um, really, because like you said, it, it makes sense. It's like you know, it, it makes really good sense when you listen to it. It just takes a lot of time to execute. Yes. And the thing I'm thankful for my board about is that they were really patient in letting us, you know, you know, do the execution because it, it does take a lot of time. Um, it, you know, we, I would say we ran over our team members to win at all costs for a lot of years. So, it, you know, they weren't so ready just to, <laughs> you know, when we said, hey, look, we're going to do this yeah. and we mean it. 
And, you know, I'm going to do it and I want you to follow follow me as long as I do what I, I say I'm going to do. I want you to follow me. Don't throw stones. It was hard for people to, to do that in the beginning because they saw the opposite uh, behavior at a lot of leadership in our business for, for a lot of years. So, uh, but now we don't have that problem because we've been, we've been consistent with leadership and um, look, our leader qualities and leaders that we have an expectation for and our core value, core values in the company that we expect out of all of our team members, you know, are really good things to, for, for, for people to have, you know, or, or for a company to build in, to help build into people and support with people. So, you know, it's, it's kind of hard for good people to not want to do that kind of stuff or be involved with an organization. So for me, I think it's our competitive advantage today. And I, I tell any company, you know, the, the greatest thing about, you know, executing an effective culture is that you, you create this competitive advantage that's better than any competitive advantage you have because yeah. everybody competes on quality and price and, you know, service and all the things that everybody always talks about when they talk about a sales pitch. But when you talk about your ability to retain people over the long term, mm -hmm. that, you know, and I would argue a step better is that you retain people and they're coming to the business with passion and energy every day. Um, not just, well, it's a job, it's a paycheck. I, I don't mind it here. So I, you know, it's as good as it is as good as I had. So I might as well stay here. I, I don't know if I'd want that person's passion and energy versus somebody that really believes in the company's values and mission and and what we're what we're trying to do. I think we get a little bit extra, you know, boost and lift out of our team members that are that, you know, feel that way versus, uh, hey, it's just OK. Yes, yes, absolutely. We uh, we talk uh, in our coaching program about that idea of we call it the 16 cylinders. So you can have them show up with just their, their body, right. And their mind, or, and you can mm -hmm. also, or enroll them with their spirit and their heart. Right? And when you get the heart and spirit, you get the 16 cylinders. If they just come with their, their mind and their body, they're only bringing about six cylinders. I'm going to use that. I love it. That's great. That's a, a great way to describe it. So Jason, um, share a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think that you could and the impact that that person had on you. Yeah, you know, my dad's been a big, my dad's been a big inspiration in my career. Um, you know, he's pushed me to do a lot of things that I, I didn't think I could do. But I, you know, the the, the one incident with, with Bob specifically, um, Bob Chapman, when you know, he talked about, you know, and he gave me a picture of what a great culture looks like after working on it for 15 years, the mountain just seemed, you know, too tall to climb. But uh, he said, hey, look, you got to, you know, you got to bite it off in chunks and do a little bit at a time. And um, you just have to be consistent and do what you say you're going to, you have to, you know, live the mission with integrity. And, you know, it started with picking really solid core values, which we let our whole team do. I didn't come up with that stuff. Uh, he had, 20 people come up with that and, and vote on it and say, look, so we can all go out and say, you know, we, we put a stake in the ground and said, these are the important things. So it's not just me saying that they're important to me. Um, so, you know, it was, a, it was a lot of that and a lot of, you know, coming back to Bob and saying, Hey, look, we're stuck, you know, now what, yeah. uh, what did you do? So, you know, he, he was really helpful and inspirational also in helping us get through our, our cultural or, or get well far enough into our cultural journey where we, we, you know, we could, you know, kind of pick up the pace on our own and just rely on our own momentum after a certain period of time. So you've mentioned it a couple of times that I love the idea of it's not just the thing that's printed in the, the employee handbook or yeah. painted on the wall, but you're actually 
living it and you're holding each other accountable to it. That, that's truly the difference, right? Yeah. And, you know, this study's done, as you know, I mean, you probably quote most of them, but, you know, 88% of the people that, you know, work for a company in America feel like they work for a company that doesn't care about them. I mean, what's that tell you about how good and consistent and um, effective work culture is today? It's just, you know, it's not very common. Most people are just, like you said, they're putting it in the handbook and they're putting it on the wall. And that's as far as values seem to live in most companies. So, yeah. One of the things we, uh, we ask uh, folks that we meet with about their culture is, Hey, can just take a minute and recite your company culture, right? And almost nobody can, right? What's, what's your vision or what's your mission or what's your purpose, right? Um, I know where to find it or I know which wall it's painted on, but I couldn't yeah. actually tell you what it is. Yeah, and I would tell you most of our team members can, you know, they can recite the core values. Our leaders know the leader qualities. I mean, because we talk about it every day, you know, it's in, we start our five minute meetings in the morning with a, you know, a culture win or a leadership moment or a core values moment where they have to, you know, hey, we're going to call on somebody in their group and say, hey, tell us, just give us a, a core values moment from yesterday or the weekend or something. Just kick us off, I start the meeting off positive. And, um, yes. you know, and again, that goes right to our frontline team members. It's not just for, you know, executive and professional leaders around the business. So, and I think that's, you know, manufacturing company, 97% of our team members are on the front lines of our business. They're in our plants, making products. So if we don't get the message there, and our frontline leaders don't understand the message, then it's really hard to say, hey, we've got an effective culture that runs throughout the, the whole company. Um, Jason, what's been your biggest learning um, as the, uh, you know, the leader, president, now CEO of the organization? Yeah, I think that, you know, man, there's a, there's a ton of learnings, but it's, you know, it's getting, it's getting that mess, that, that the core values to the frontline team member, the you know, uh, the men and women that are literally on the line assembling a window for us or a chassis welder. Um, you know, I underestimated the importance of me getting to the front lines on a regular basis. So I go every week and I do listening sessions with our frontline leaders all over the organization. You know, a lot of them are in person, uh, but the, the plants I can't get to that are outside of this area, I, I, I'll do those virtually. Um, and um, just helping the light bulb click for you know, those frontline team members that work isn't just, you know, punching the clock and doing the work and go home. I mean, it can be a lot more than that. We can help people find their purpose and meaning at work. And I think that's the the big learning for me through this whole 11 year journey that we've been on is that we can help turn those light bulbs on for every human being in this company. And when we do turn those light bulbs on, their life gets better, their team's life gets better, the business gets better, their family life gets better, their kids' lives get better, their spouses' lives get better. I don't, I can't tell you how many times people have come home and said, you know, because you guys really mean what you say, uh, what you talk about all the time when it comes to core values and leadership and how you want us to, you know, if we're, if we're leaders, you want us to lead better and you give us the roadmap to do that. If we're not leaders, you know, you just want us to lead ourselves better and we can still use those leadership qualities uh, that we talk about all the time. They come back all the time and say, yeah, I'm, I'm a better dad. I'm a better mom. I'm, I'm uh, you know, a better spouse, you know, and, and those kinds of things are like, you know, it doesn't get better than that. That's the best thing we can do as a business is help improve people's lives because when their lives improve, 
like I said, they're likely to come back and, and give more to the business because most people are thankful for that. And most people haven't had that experience at another business mm -hmm. where, you know, where they've got that to compare it to, you know, most of them, they were beat down, you know, a lot of them are yelled at. I mean, when I ask every listening session, Hey, who's, who's ever worked for a bad boss or worked in a company that's had a horrible <laughs> culture, 75% of the hands in the room goes up. Um, so, but when they compare that to their experience here, you know, they tend to say, you know, I'm not leaving a company like this. I've, I've seen, I've been to six or seven or eight other ones yes. and left because it was horrible. I'm not leaving this company. And I think that, again, that just gives us that competitive advantage, but I know we're improving lives in the process and that's better than, you know, hitting record sales numbers or record stock prices or anything like that. I'm not going to remember those things right? when I, <laughs> when I am on my deathbed, I'm going to remember you know, this box of letters I've got next to me where people just, you know, tell me how much they appreciate what we've done in their lives because it's helped them change their lives in a more positive direction. What an incredible ripple effect that uh, that you you guys are able to have for because of all the people that you're touching. That's awesome. And I love yeah. what you said too about, you know, the what you're going to remember. And, and oh, by the way, there's also a huge uh, ROI on it because you're, you you quoted your your turnover decreasing from 125 to or somewhere around 30. I 30. think. Yeah. So yeah, so there's a true there's a true ROI as well. So the shareholders wow. are happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not easy to put the exact dollar amount on, but even a, a conservative guess on that dollar amount would tell you, hey, you ought to be spending a lot of resources working on that. Jason, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So tell us about one of the biggest challenges you've faced during the years and maybe a fellow a fellow uh, business owner or leader who came alongside you helped you through that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I learned later in my career, I, wish, I mean, people ask all the time, what, what do you wish you would have done, you know, earlier in your career? And what I wish I would have done, kind of piggybacking on your question is I wish I just would have brought other people into my circle uh, that had been where I wanted to go. Yeah. I would have, you know, not learned as many painful lessons. And I've had a lot of people inside and outside the industry that have been, you know, after, you know, maybe I turned 35 when I really started listening to people, <laughs> um, you know, I, um, I brought several people that were 10, 15 years older than me that had been there and just, you know, did a lot of listening and question asking. And that's, you know, it helped me, you know, avoid a lot of pitfalls. It helped me, you know, sharpen kind of my perspective and, and really, you know, hone in on what really mattered. I had a lot of, you know, a lot of things I could spend time in, in my position, but, um, you know, the, the more I found, I narrowed that down to certain things and, you know, move other great people around this business to, to do some of the other things. And, you know, put people in the right spots. It made all the difference in the world. And our, you know, our business grew, you know, our business grew, you know, has grown a few billion in the last, you know, four years. So, um, and, you know, it took us 60, you know, 55 years just to become, hit, hit our first billion. So, um, <laughs> but I've had a lot of people, I've had a lot of mentors that I've, I've intentionally sought out and asked a lot of questions to, because it just, it just helps you skip the learning curve in a lot of cases. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. If I asked you to pick three of those folks who have been most helpful and in, in, in you're most grateful for your the business success that you've gotten from their 
help. Who are those three people and how'd they help you? Yeah. So, um, again, my, my dad for one, um, what's your dad's name? Huh? What's his name? Your dad's name? Oh, Doug Lippert. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he was really patient with me in my twenties when, you know, he, we were both in the business and I was kind of (laughs) going off on a, a, a tangent, trying to create some, some new opportunities for the company. And man, I, it's a, you know, I was 24 and, you know, I, I'm just trying to picture my, my 20, my kid that's going to, you know, be 24 at some point in time. Would I let him do some of the things my dad let me do? You know, probably not a chance. Um, so, you know, I, I really appreciate the fact that my dad took, you know, he took a lot of heat in the organization because there was a lot of people around him that said, what are you doing? Sure. Like, you know, this kid's trying to spend all the money that we've worked hard to, to put in the, put in the bank. And, you know, uh, we don't understand the business or the the business strategy. So, um, so him, him for one, um, you know, certainly Bob Chapman, I always throw him in that category. Uh, you know, he, he's been a great mentor on, on the culture side specifically, and just helping us figure out the journey, um, you know, and, you know, where it, it took him maybe a decade to get to a certain spot. He probably helped us really skip that learning curve because he had a lot of learnings. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was, uh, he was super important. Um, and he just has been super gracious with his time. So, you know, those people that have met Bob, uh, through different channels, I mean, he's just so gracious with his time and, uh, he didn't have to give me the time he's given me over the last decade, but he's been, you know, super awesome and, and, uh, help, help us you know, growing our, our, our culture journey a lot faster. The third one, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really tough one for me to pick. I've got, you know, uh, guys in the industry, you know, Ron Fennick, uh, Doug Getter, Bob Martin, Don Clark, you know, guys that have run businesses that are just a little bit older than me, but they've all helped me a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've got, you know, my, my mom would certainly fit in there. I mean, she, she, you know, instilled values and a great upbringing in me and spent most of when my dad was away, you know, building the business. My mom was building the character that I have. So um, she's responsible for that. I could, I could give you a list of 10 more names that are super influential, (laughs) but those are, those are some of them. Fantastic. Thank you. I know that's always tough to, to narrow it down to a few. So Jason, as you think about the next three to five years, what are the biggest challenges that you see that you're going to face in getting, to your goals and who are the types of people you're going to need to overcome those challenges? Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of challenges for us. I mean, um, I mean, I just turned 50 uh, here not too long ago. So um, that's one, that's when my dad retired. I remember the day, like it was yesterday, (laughs) Um, you know, so, you know, moving into a, a, you know, these continued phases of, you know, organizational structure and, you know, not only what our organizational structure looks like as we continue to grow, but also, um, you know, who's sitting in the those organizational seats as we continue to, you know, grow and develop people. So, um, and that's where I spend a lot of my time is, you know, there's the organizational development and the structure and, um, you know, but we've got certain markets we live in, you know, um, we're not as I've told our investors, we're not interested in going off and creating all these different legs of the stool. We've got some really good markets with really great customers and a lot of opportunities in those 
those markets today. So we're going to continue to, you know, um, and the longer we've been around, the more momentum we have as a business, we just get better for our customers. So, um, you know, we continue to grow organically and find good acquisition opportunities. We've done 75 since, since I've been with the business for the last wow. 29 years. So, um, but, you know, innovation, I think is really, really key. Uh, to any business. And that's just not just product innovation, but it's process innovation. It's innovating, it's innovating culture like we have. It's, it's reinventing, you know, every part of the business you can, because if you don't, it just gets stale and you look like every other business out there. Um, you know, people development is really huge. Um, you know, our focus on culture is really huge. We want to spend a, a part of our time and a piece of our time you know, we've got a leadership academy today that we use to specifically help, you know, other businesses figure out what Bob helped us figure out with culture. So we want to be that part of the ripple that keeps extending things to other businesses. Uh, we want to help them do culture better. We want to help them do leadership development better. We want to help them do philanthropy and community impact better. And we can help them skip steps and, and get there faster because we've, we've done it. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, the world's getting trickier, right? There's just a lot of, you know, I think about the issues, you know, back before, you know, 2000. I mean, they pale in comparison to the, you know, just the economic and the social issues we have today. So it's just, it's just trickier running a business. It was always hard to run a business, as you know, but it's, it's so much harder today. Yeah. And, um, you know, it comes down to finding the right people to bring the organizations that can, get their arms around all this. So again, I think that's what the leaders really need to spend time doing is finding, finding people that have, you know, you know, the right passion, the right energy. Uh, and then once you get them here, it's, it's making sure they get in the right spot because you can get great people, put them in the wrong spot. And then you're, you know, you're, you know, you might still be treading water yes, <laughs> uh, or not making as much progress as what is what you think. So, um, you know, those are some of the issues. I, I look at growth and say, hey, look, if we get the right people, we have the right business strategy, uh, you know, we, 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 do, we take care of our, our quality and our customer experience and our, our innovation and culture and leadership, the, the pillars of our business, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, we'll continue to grow. I don't worry about, you know, trying to, you know, work too hard at that. If we do the right things and we keep doing what got us here and execute our business strategy, we'll continue to to grow our, our company. Um, Love it. So last question, Jason, um, Jim Rohn, awesome business guru says that we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So as you reflect on that quote, what advice do you have for folks who are trying to do it on their own, who, who think that they don't, they don't need to surround themselves with good people or they shouldn't ask for help? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're gonna, it's just gonna, you may get there, uh, you may have a good business strategy and a a good plan, um, good products, and even some good people. But if you don't surround yourself with the the right people and the right mentors, um, you know, because you only learn by asking questions. And if you're the one that has all the answers all the time, you're gonna you're gonna get there a lot slower. And I'm I'm living proof of that. We could have, you know, we could have gotten a lot further, a lot faster had had I started doing some of those things way back when. And that just becomes a culture and part of the culture in your organization is, you know, everybody's got to be a learner. If, if 15,000 people are learning or if 15,000 people, one of the things that's, that's big for us is just, you know, it was an epiphany we had a couple of years ago, but Hey, look, we do all this executive leadership planning and coaching with all of our executive people. 
we do it with our frontline leadership, but how about if everybody has, you know, a personal and professional growth plan, all 15,000 people, right. You know, I think that that company version would be way better than the one that we're not even working on it, or we're just, you know, a part of the executives or top level leadership team have personal and professional growth plan. So if everybody's growing and developing, mm-hmm. we get further faster. And that, that kind of speaks to what you just said. It's like, you got to get people around you. Um, you got to be a coach. Um, you got to be a coach and coaches are, you know, notoriously good listeners. Um, so if you want to learn and, and grow and develop your business, you got to be willing to grow and develop yourself. And you can't do that by talking all the time and barking orders and, <laughs> and, and then, you know, you got to get the right people. So you can be surrounded by people that are good, but you know, you want to look for people to surround yourself with that you think are, or are, are as good or better or, or where you want to be. And that, that changes the game. I tell my kids all the time, you know, it's, we, we almost every night before bed, we have the Eagles and turkeys conversation. So it's like, you know, if you guys want to be great someday, you got to be hanging with Eagles and, you know, you can't be hanging around with the turkeys because they'll just, they'll drag you down. <laughs> yeah. Um, same thing he said with being surrounded by you're the, you're the average of the five, you know, you want those five to be Eagles. You want those five to be, you know, uh, maybe have some qualities and things that you don't have that you aspire to have. Yeah. That's what you ought to be looking for. Cause that statement's totally true. You've said it already, but I'll repeat it is we, we don't want to be the smartest person in the room because then we're not learning from anyone. So that's right. we may have to change the people that we're hanging out with so that, yeah. you know, we have smarter people in the room to learn from. Yeah. And newsflash, if you think you're the smartest person in the room, that's going to be limiting to your, <laughs> your growth and success. That's just, uh, yeah, you can't think that. like that. <laughs> Jason, it sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people who have helped you along your journey. If they were all on the show here today, what would you want to say to them? Oh man. I mean, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here without them because not only do they do most of the heavy lifting, um, they're in, incredible encouragers. Um, you know, business is tough and you need people to lift you up because it's impossible to be, you know, at the peaks all the time and it's impossible to be, you know, um, you know, everything going great all the time, everything being positive all the time. So, you know, I would just thank them for being incredible supporters, uh, incredible doers, incredible encouragers. Uh, and ultimately they're the ones that, you know, they're the ones that are closer to, you know, being boots on the ground. And they're the ones that are moving this great business as a force for good mission along. Uh, you need lots of people to do that. Uh, not just, one person. So it really helps to have the top person to support that message. But man, the ex- execution happens on the front lines of the business. And uh, um, we are all in my whole team, we're in the plants on a regular basis, making sure that, you know, uh, the people understand what that message means. Um, you can't just tell them once, you know how communication works. You can't just <laughs> go and tell them once or put it in an email uh, or even talk about it twice or three times. You have to beat the drum. You have to be consistent. You have to challenge people. You have to ask them questions and listen so that you know that they're getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that they're asking you questions back and they're learning. Um, you know, that, I, that none of that would happen without a, an amazing team. And I'm, you know, I've, got, I've been blessed with a, a great staff of people that, you know, they bring passion and energy to work every day and it it makes a difference. Jason, I love your story. Thank you so much for sharing. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Hey, Tim, my, my goal is, you know, to, to do some of these here and there and 
tell the story. So, you know, maybe inspire some people. Um, but most importantly, it gets the message out that there is a different way to, to do culture and business and that it can have a profound impact on, you know, not only the business, but people's lives and ultimately the lives of their families and kids. And uh, I just don't think we're wired and we're taught in the educational system to, to think like that. So we got to get that message out there so people know that there, there can be a new normal and it can be world changing. It can be community changing. We just need to we need to execute on that. Yes. Amen to that. And for everyone listening that are wondering about the ROI, remember what Jason said earlier, a few billion uh, increase in sales over the last few years as a result of all these changes. So if anyone wants to question the ROI, I think that it's uh, pretty black and white. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, and Tim, people say all the time, well, how do you know what's that? Well, what I can say is that if we had 120% turnover, I can, I can tell you, we couldn't have grown, you know, 800 million to a billion dollars a year for, you know, over the course of three or four or five years. I mean, you just, you just can't do that. You can't bring that many people into the organization, hire, recruit, train, you know, only to watch them walk out the door again. You just wouldn't be able to build product effectively enough and with it, with good enough quality to be able to sustain that kind of growth. Right. So, yeah. And you, what you shared earlier too is, Hey, you did it the old way, right? And you saw mm-hmm. what the results of that were, and now you're doing it the new way and yeah. the results are significantly better. So, right. so, so awesome job, Jason. I thank you so much for sharing your story with the audience. It just, it's just so inspiring. So, and thanks for the, all the extra that you do to give back and, and pay it forward. I love it. Yeah. And if there's any listeners out there that want to reach out to me, I'm easy to get a hold of on LinkedIn and I'm willing to share a story and, and help any way I can, because the more businesses that get this, the, the better the world gets. So awesome. thanks for having me on. Thank you. So to everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Miss show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be, help, be sure to help spread the movement by liking the show and mentioning it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to bemadtogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward and I'll see you all next time. Take care. Thanks.